Um, as you can tell, I'm not Paul. Uh, Paul asked me to speak, and I'm pretty excited to be up here. I can take this off now. Um, for those of you that don't know me and those online, uh, my name's Chris. Uh, I used to be on staff here. Now I work at Mediba. Um, and uh, yeah, really excited to be able to, to speak. And uh, when uh, I was talking to Paul about what to speak on, he said, well, I'm, I'm just about to begin a, a series on 316s. So that is chapter 3, verse 16 in, in any book of the Bible. And he said, you can choose one. I was like, okay. So I started looking at like the 316s. You can think of the normal one, like John 316. That's not what I'm preaching on this morning. Um, but there's a lot of other ones. And I was like, wow, there's actually some really good 316s out there. So I ended up uh, picking Philippians uh, 316. Um, and uh, the verse is really simple. Um, and it's, it's only about eight words. It says, only let us hold true to what we have attained. That's it. That's the verse. In a lot of ways, I think I could, could almost end there. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Hold true. That's the sermon. If you only take one thing away, if there's only two words you take away and you fall asleep for the rest of it this morning, remember these two words. Hold true. Hold true to what? Hold true to what we have attained. Hold true to salvation. Hold true to freedom from sins. Hold true to eternal life, a direct relationship with God through Jesus. Hold true to what we believe. Hold true to Jesus. It's interesting uh, because we just finished Easter a couple weeks ago. And at Easter, uh, arguably the most important time as a Christian, we remember the death and resurrection of Jesus, the salvation that it brings. Pastor Paul went through a variety of sermons on this, from the Garden of Gethsemane and the cup of wrath that Jesus took uh, took on for us so that we could be connected to God, to Jesus' death on the cross, to the triumphant resurrection of Jesus and the ten appetizers that, that Pastor Paul preached about a couple weeks ago. Last week, Pastor Paul also talked about the final mission Jesus gives his disciples and therefore us to go and make disciples. It's so easy to spend Easter and become fired up for our faith. It's so easy to go through Easter, ask God for forgiveness, to repent, to remember, to go forward with a renewed energy for our faith. And this might also be true for, for other events like Christmas, a good, uh, a good conference, a good sermon, a good small group. But as soon as regular life hits, as soon as we are a few weeks after Easter, which we are now, we tend to go right back into our old routines. Easter fires us up for God. We post on our Facebook, He is risen. We are more confident to tell people we went to church. We take communion. We have an amazing meal with our family. But then life goes back to normal, and we continue the year as if nothing happened. Sure, we might go to church still. We do small group. We do the things. But the true impact of what we believe as Christians is often forgotten because of the mundane day-to-day -day things that get crowded in around us. Sometimes it's even the pressures of the world or the sin that we get bogged down in, the influences that steer us away, the stress of our day-to-day -day life. Sometimes it's a loss. Whatever it is, the impact of the cross, the impact of what the resurrection of Jesus means becomes overshadowed by the countless things we have to do each day. And let's be honest, this even happened to me. I, I, I went to church on Easter, I was fired up, and then within hours I had already kind of forgotten. I was already bogged down in, in different stresses of the day. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians, hold true to what 
we have attained. Hold true to the transformational power of the death and resurrection of Jesus and the freedom that it brings to all who believe. When times get hard, in the day-to-day, in the times where we are pulled into sin, in the times when the influences around us are steering us away, in all times, hold true to the power of the cross. What is really cool is that the Apostle Paul writes this for the very same reasons I mentioned a few minutes ago. He's writing to the church in Philippi, uh, which is a church that also is is distracted and and they're bogged down in, in stresses of the day. And Paul himself, in many ways, had a lot of times like this. He's even writing this letter uh, while he's in jail to the church in Philippi. In the letter, Paul is encouraging the church to turn their gaze back to the power and joy of the gospel. He encourages the church to dwell in the rich fellowship they have in the gospel. And then he challenges them to lean away from the outward circumstances that are pulling the church away. And Paul, who himself is facing a tremendous amount of difficulty, tremendous amount of challenges, reminds the church to remain true, to rejoice, to find joy despite the fact that the church is facing opposition, despite the fact that there was disunity, despite the fact that their leaders have nearly died, and so much more. Paul uses the letter of Philippians to encourage the church, his fellow Christians, and therefore us, to hold true. Hold true to what we have attained. So what does holding true really mean, and how do we hold true today? Well, luckily for us, um, the Apostle Paul kind of answers this question right in chapter 3 of Philippians. I'm going to pray before we dive in. Dear God, uh, thank you for this morning. Uh, Thank you for the opportunity that we can meet in person. Um, Thank you for these words, Lord. um, let, let, Let the words out of my mouth be your words, God. And I pray that you prepare our hearts for what it is that you want us to hear, each and every single one of us, whether we're here in person or listening online. Thank you for this. Amen. Hold true to what you have attained. What what does holding true mean, and how do we do it? We're going to mainly be looking at chapter 3 of Philippians. Paul says in in verses 8 to 10 of chapter 3, it says, In order that I... Paul may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Paul starts off um, uh, by explaining here that nothing he has done earned him salvation. He says, not having a righteousness of my own, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The verses prior, in verses 2 to 6, Paul describes some of the earthly measures that might have been used to qualify him in the eyes of the world. He lists reasons for for confidence in the flesh, that is, reasons for worldly standards that would earn him brownie points uh, to some, such as the Pharisees. After listing these things off, uh, such as circumcision of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee, even once a persecutor of the church, Paul goes on in verse 7 to say, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Paul first describes measures of earthly gain in those times, and then says all of that is nothing. All of that is loss. Any earthly brownie points you have mean nothing without the grace of God through Jesus that is earned by no deed of our own. Paul reminds us and reminds the church in Philippi that we have attained salvation through nothing of our own, but completely by the grace of God 
through the death and resurrection of Jesus. We can do all the earthly things you want, we want, and look good on the surface. We can attend church, we can attend small group, we can tithe, we can serve coffee, we can serve in, in youth group, on the missions team, but all of that does not matter. All of that means nothing. The only thing that matters is faith in Jesus and the death and resurrection and the grace of God given to us. Those things that we do are a reflection of our faith and a desire to live out our faith. They are not something that earn us salvation. What have we attained? Paul answers what we have attained right there. If you are sitting here this morning and believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus, if you believe that righteousness from God depends on faith alone, and if you believe in the power of Jesus' resurrection and the salvation that it brings for all those who believe, then you have attained righteousness and holiness before God. You have attained salvation. That word attained does not mean that you did anything to earn it. Quite the contrary. It means you have received a gift from God that you do not deserve, but that is freely given to anyone and everyone who believes. That is the power of the cross, and that's why we celebrate Easter. That is why the Apostle Paul challenges us to hold true to this incredible gift that we have attained for no other reason than God's grace and God's desire to have a relationship with us. So we have attained a gift, yet we are still challenged to hold true. Paul says in verse 11 of chapter, th uh, chapter 3, that by any means possible, I may attain resurrection from the dead. Basically, Paul knows that there's nothing he can do to earn himself salvation, nothing he can do to earn himself eternity with God, resurrection from the dead, other than believe in the cross and resurrection of Jesus and then live his faith out. He says, by anything possible, that is, he will do anything in life to live out his faith in Christ because that is all that matters. Paul speaks of this as he is sitting in prison. He speaks of this as he is being persecuted for his faith. He knows that nothing else matters, and he will do everything to hold on to the incredible gift God gives us through Jesus. He tells the church in Philippi the same thing. Hold on to the truth of what you have attained. Hold true to your faith in Jesus. Just because we have attained salvation does not mean that life won't challenge us does not mean that life won't get hard, does not mean that life won't get complicated. Just because we have been made right before God does not mean we don't live in a fallen world. The Apostle Paul knows this. He understands the pressures of the world, the difficulty that life can bring. And even if it's not major difficulties, even if it's just the day-to-day -day stresses that, that tend to bog us down and pull us away from the abundant truth of the salvation that we were freely given, Paul says, hold true no matter what. Hold on to this truth. Hold it. You can picture a gift given that you love so much that no matter what comes at you, you never want to let it go. Hold true. Hold it. Let it impact all of who you are and what you do, no matter what comes to try and take it, no matter who distracts you, no matter the mistakes you make, no matter the stress and pressures of the world. Hold true. Hold it. Grasp it. Don't let it go. Don't let it slip. As I was preparing, um, I looked up some of the other versions um, uh, of these two words. The NIV says, only let us live up to what we have already attained. The New Living Translation says, and we must hold on to the progress we have already made. 
Other versions say hold fast, that is hold tight. Whatever version you have, the fact remains that Paul is asking us to hold on, to hold on to the gospel and allow it to be the most important part of our entire lives, not just at Easter, but every single day. Hold on because we are living for far more than this life. Hold on because we have been redeemed. Hold on to the truth of the life-changing power of the cross. Hold on because nothing else qualifies us for salvation, for eternity with God. I love that word true, though. Hold true. If the death and resurrection is true, then it is the most important moment in history. Those who believe in this truth should therefore never be the same again. If it is not true for you, then why is there a need to hold on to it? But if it is true, is there anything more important to hold on to? No. For those who truly believe, Paul says, hold true. If it is true when you first believed it, it should also be true as you live out life, no matter what happens, and it should impact all you do. If it is not true for you, then when times get tough, when things come and try and distract you, when sin gets in the way, it won't matter because you never truly believed and therefore don't hold it that tight. Paul mentions uh, this in verse 18 of chapter 3. Uh, and this verse really hit me. Paul is in tears and he says, For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Paul is literally writing and he's crying over people that never truly believed and have now fallen away and walk as enemies with Christ to Christ. Paul says their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with mindset on earthly things. Paul is describing people that the church in Philippi would have known, or, or people that Paul himself knew, that at one point might have shown interest in believing in the death and resurrection of Jesus, but then never truly allowed it to hold true in their lives. Maybe they thought it was an interesting story. Maybe they raised their hands at an altar call. Maybe they attended church for years, or maybe even still attend church. But in their hearts, they have not allowed the truth of the gospel to make an impact on their lives. Instead, they've allowed the pressures, they've allowed the temptations, the sins, the difficulties of the world to get to them. They did not hold tight to the truth, and they let it go, allowing the world to take over. Paul is literally crying as he describes this. People he knows, people he loves, people the church in Philippi knew and loved, yet people that did not hold true. And as I, as I read this and reflected on it, it also broke my heart for people in my own life that this might be the case for. And I'm sure you can think of people in your life that you can think of that either have never chosen to walk with Jesus and believe in the death and resurrection of Christ, or people that maybe once went through the motions, showed interest, but then fell away because they never held tight. Maybe even in your life, you have never truly held true to the truth of the gospel and are just going through the motions. It's literally breaking Paul's heart as he writes about this. It breaks God's heart as he wants relationship with each and every one of us. What is incredible is that for the people Paul writes about, and the people you might be thinking about, and maybe even for you listening online or sitting here this morning, it is not too late. Everyone has access to salvation through Jesus. All you have to do is allow the truth to penetrate your heart, confess with your mouth, and hand your life over to God, no matter what you've done, 
no matter where you've been, no matter how lukewarm your attitude towards Christ has been, it is not too late. The only time it's too late is when you pass away or when Jesus returns. For you today, if you are listening, it is not too late. For those Paul was writing about, it was not too late. The gift of salvation can be attained by anyone. Remember, it's attained solely by faith in Jesus, not by anything you do. And once you have attained it, you only have one job left. Hold true. Hold on to it. Let it impact your entire life. As Paul says, by any means possible. If you believe the death and resurrection of Jesus to be true, then allow it to be true in your life and never let it go. After describing people that did not hold true, Paul goes on uh, in chapter 3 to give the church a tremendous amount of motivation to hold true. Paul says, But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. Paul reminds the church and reminds us of the reward for holding true. Doesn't that sound like a good reward? All those who believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus and hold true receive citizenship with God himself in heaven. God will transform our body into his body. Paul says, hold true, power through, don't let go. The reward is far greater than any pain, far greater than any difficulty, far greater than any challenge in life. The reward is also so much greater than any earthly thing. That thing you are tempted to do, that money you want to make, that friend you want to have, that job, that outlet, that thing that makes you feel better in the moment, it all does not even compare to the reward of having citizenship with God in heaven and a new body. So hold true. It's worth it. As I said at the beginning, the sermon is summed up in the verse it all started with. Hold true to what we have attained. I want to now continue with this chapter and look at a few ways that Paul encourages uh, the church to hold true, some practical steps we can take to hold true. There are many different ways that we can be encouraged and challenged to hold true, and we could spend hours looking at various other scriptures that relate to this. In fact, even in other chapters of the same letter in Philippians, Paul writes of reasons to rejoice, reasons and strategies to live in Christ. For this morning, though, we're going to continue uh, through chapter 3 of Philippians and quickly talk about five reasons and practical steps we can take to hold true. First, we hold true because it is, it is the least we can do after attaining something we did not deserve. Second, we hold true by making faith our own. Third, we hold true because Jesus makes us his own. Fourth, we hold true by striving for the goal and fifth, we hold true by surrounding ourselves with other believers who we can imitate. The first way that we hold true has already been summed up. We hold true because we have attained something that we did not deserve, and we attained something that we did not earn. If we truly believe in the truth of the gospel, if we know that it was nothing that we did, and all God wants is our heart and our focus, then that is what we can give. In a lot of ways, this is motivation in itself. If we had earned salvation, then we would be constantly trying to do things to continue to keep it. If salvation was based on deeds and good works, then we would be constantly trying to, to do things, constantly trying to, to measure up and never actually get anywhere. 
Instead, those who believe have already attained salvation, not by deeds or works, but by the grace of God. All God wants in return is for us to hold true. All God wants in return is for us to continue in the faith. Jumping over to another letter uh, the Apostle Paul wrote to a different church in the city of Colossae. Colossians uh, 1, 21 to 22, uh, 23 says, Once we were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. So once we were evil, once we were separated, once we were literally aliens from God, the verse goes on to say, God has reconciled and made us holy and blameless before him. That's the salvation piece. Once we accept the truth of the gospel, we are made holy and blameless before God. Not because we did anything, not because we did our 1,000th good deed or paid our millionth dollar to the church. Because of the grace of God that is given to all who believe. We are then made holy and blameless before God. The verse goes on to say, so long as we continue in the faith, not wavering from the hope of the gospel. After becoming holy and blameless before God, there is only one thing left on earth for us to do. Continue in the faith, not wavering from the hope of the gospel. You know what wavering means? It means move back and forth. So the opposite of that, tie it down. Hold tight. The only thing left we have to do is hold tight. Hold fast. Hold true. That's the first step in how we hold true. It's simple, really. Hold true because that's all that God wants from us. We believe. We are saved. We live it out and hold on to this incredible truth no matter what gets thrown at us. The the second step that we can take to hold true is by making it our own. Back to Philippians 3, Paul says in verse 12, I press on to make it, that is his faith, my own. Hold true by making faith our own. If we truly believe in this life-changing truth, then we will allow it to become our own. We will allow it to make a difference in every aspect of our life. And it looks different for everybody. But it starts with our heart. Making faith our own means allowing our heart to be changed. Allowing our minds to be pure. Making faith our own also means diving into our own mind and asking the question, do I really believe this or is it just something I grew up learning about? Do I really want to change or is the community kind of nice and the coffee really good at church? We first have to recognize our own failure. We first have to recognize that we need God. Once we do, we believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus. And once we do that, we hold true by making this faith our own in all areas of our life. And this can look like practical things, such as serving at the church, sharing the gospel with the people in our life. It can look like internal things by actively choosing to avoid areas in our life that cause us to stumble, cause us to be tempted. Making faith our own is a lifelong desire to hold true and allow God to transform us in all areas as we lean into him. In verse 12, Paul says he presses on to make it his own. Paul links this back to those earthly things that worldly standards might have qualified him for. Remember, he says that those things are loss. Those things don't matter. What matters is his faith in Jesus, and so he presses on and makes faith his own. The third way we hold true is closely linked to this. Paul challenges challenges us to make faith our own. The end of verse 12 says, because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Paul makes makes faith his own. He believes it because Jesus himself has made him his own. Jesus himself calls Paul his. 
God calls us his own. God holds us who believe in the palm of his hand, and he never lets us go. Jesus is wrapping his arms around you right now, and he's never letting go. One of my favorite things to picture is running into the arms of Jesus and receiving the most perfect hug and then never letting go. Christ Jesus, Paul says, has made us his own. He is holding us. He is wrapping his arms around us. And you know what? That's a really good place to be. So why would you ever want to let it go? Paul says in verse 13, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining towards what lies ahead. That's the fourth way we hold true, by striving towards the goal. Paul is saying here that he has not finished making faith his own. He knows that he will not be finished until he reaches heaven. We are not done until we reach heaven, and there are countless ways for us to make faith our own in this life. We have to constantly strive for this. Going back up a couple verses to verse 12, Paul says, Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own. Paul's in a constant state of humility. He's in a constant state of understanding that he has never done applying his faith in Jesus into his life. He has never done making it his own. He has never done striving for the goal until he reaches it. Paul knows his own weakness. He knows his own imperfection without Jesus. And it is for this reason that he constantly presses on to hold true to the life-changing power of salvation and to live this life out to bring glory to God. Picture a task at hand. Maybe an architect building a skyscraper, a runner finishing a marathon, whatever task you want to picture. Now picture someone walking away from the task before it was complete. That architect, halfway through the skyscraper, is like, nah, I give up. It's too hard. That marathon runner stopping halfway through just because it isn't worth it. If that were to happen, it would be shocking. Those people gave up before the goal was complete for whatever reason. In the same way, we are challenged to not give up on Jesus until the goal is complete and we get to enter citizenship with God in heaven. Instead of a finished building or the joy of completing a marathon, the goal at the end for Christians is an eternity with Christ. For this reason, whatever happens in life, Paul challenges us to hold true and strive towards the goal. One day we get to wrap our arms around Jesus because he has made us his own. Our goal is better than any and all things this world can offer. And that is what Paul says another reason is to hold true. Now, striving towards the goal is not easy. Paul knows this. There will always be things in life that will take us off course. Paul spends many of his letters talking about these very things that might push us off course. Striving towards the goal is a lifelong commitment to honor God with all of who we are, a lifelong goal to hold true. Maybe for you, it's easy to get distracted with day-to-day stresses. Maybe you get uh, constantly tempted to drink that extra beer just because it's there. Maybe you have a hard time waking up in the morning to go to church. Maybe you get made fun of for reading the Bible on your lunch break. Maybe you've dealt with with a tragedy. Maybe you've dealt with, with abuse, with impossibly difficult scenarios in life. And your motivation to hold true is slipping. Whatever it is, and I know these things are very real very hard things. Paul says, press on towards the goal. Paul says, hold true, no matter how hard it is. And Paul knows it's hard. God knows it's hard. 
There is something at the goal line that is better than anything we can ever imagine, and that is our purpose in life, no matter how difficult it gets. What is incredible also is that not only do we have the goal line of citizenship with God in heaven, but we also have resources that, that are here to support us to get through these things. God is not leaving us alone to fend for ourselves with all these things. First and foremost, God gives us his spirit. He gives us uh, the Holy Spirit that lives in us. No matter what happens in life as believers, we have the full power of God in us through the Holy Spirit, and that allows us to never be alone. But God also gives us other aspects in life through the church and through community. And that's the fifth and final way um, that, that we can learn to hold true. We hold true by surrounding ourselves with others who we can imitate. Paul says in verse 17, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. Paul challenges the church in, in Philippi and he challenges us to hold true by imitating other believers who are striving towards the same goal. Not only do we have the Holy Spirit in us, but we also have access to people who we can imitate. These people we can imitate, first and foremost, um, are are found in the Bible. I mean, Jesus is a perfect example, and we can read about Jesus and imitate him simply by reading the Bible or going to to small group and, and studying it for ourselves. But God also gave us the church Um, and filled with people that we can also imitate. The Apostle Paul says this writing to the church and is encouraging the church in Philippi to not be discouraged, to press on, to rejoice. Even though things may be bleak, Paul challenges and encourages the church to imitate himself and keep their eyes on those who walk according to their example. This picture kind of links back to pressing on, or in other letters, a race set before us, keeping our eyes on those Uh, that are good examples. Keeping our eyes on Jesus. That marathon runner works with a coach who they can imitate to help them reach their goal. The church is built on God, Jesus as the cornerstone, who we can imitate as the perfect example for us. But then we also have people within the church who we can also imitate. That is why we have church leaders and elders and small group leaders and Sunday school teachers The Apostle Paul recognizes that without people to follow, without people to imitate, so many people will get distracted. So many people will fall off, turn the opposite way. Holding true means putting people in place that we can imitate, putting people in place that we can learn from to grow closer to God and be better equipped to press on towards the goal of eternity with Christ. We need to lean in on God and ask for the right people to imitate and lean on. Maybe that starts with, with the Bible and, and talking to Jesus himself, but as you lean in closer to God, God is going to bless you with people that present themselves that you can imitate and trust to set that example that you can rely on to press on with. It does not mean that, that anyone is perfect other than Jesus. Paul also knows this, and he even lists his own mistakes and his own struggles Yet part of holding true to what we have attained is surrounding ourselves with those that we can learn from and be challenged to hold true to what we have attained. God will provide people. There are people in this church right now. Holding true sometimes also means being held accountable to our actions by bringing up those things that pull us away from holding tight and therefore putting things in place to strengthen our grip on the truth of the gospel. The devil wants nothing more than to rip our hand 
off of the goal, wants nothing more than to rip our hand off of that gift that was freely given to us. Let's not let him. By working together to strive towards the goal and hold true to what we have attained. The Apostle Paul refers to himself here to imitate, but it does not end with him. Holding true means striving to keep our eyes on those who walk in accordance with Jesus. Holding true also means striving to be that person that others can imitate. As we walk together in this journey, we can, we can hold true together and challenge each other. That is what the church is for. I encourage you to find a few people who you can imitate. I also encourage you to represent yourself so that others can imitate you. And then I also encourage you to distance yourself from those people who you know should not be imitated. So hold true to what we have attained. Back to that sentence and verse that we began with. Hold tight to the truth of the gospel. Hold tight to the truth that there is nothing we have done on our own that earned us a place with God in eternity. And it is solely by faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus that we are saved and made holy and blameless before God. Hold true to what we have attained. We have a goal. That goal is citizenship with God in heaven. That reward is wrapping our arms around Jesus and never letting go. We've been given a gift, and that gift is the most important thing we can ever have. All God wants in return is to never let it go. We hold true because it is the least we can do after attaining something we did not deserve. We hold true by making faith our own. We hold true because, because Jesus makes us his own. We hold true by striving for the goal, and we hold true by surrounding ourselves with other believers who we can imitate. This morning, think about your own life. We just came out of Easter. Are you already loosening your grip on this truth? What are those things that are making you loosen your grip on holding true to Jesus? What are those things that are distracting you from pressing on? What are those things that are preventing you from holding on in the first place? Whatever those things are, take them to God and ask him for help. Turn to Jesus, who is wrapping his arms around you right now. Turn to the people that you know you can imitate and turn to for support and guidance, even if that means hard answers. God has given us the grace of receiving citizenship with him in heaven that is attained through no deed of our own, but solely through faith. All God wants in return is for us to hold true, hold tight, hold fast. Never let go of that truth. Never let go of allowing this truth of the death and resurrection of Jesus to be what we live out. Hold tight to the truth of the gospel. Hold true to what we have attained. Let's pray. Father God, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot to this passage, Lord, and it's, it's summed up in, in such a simple sentence. Hold true to what we have attained. Thank you, Lord, that you have made us righteous. You have made us holy for all those who believe. And I pray, Lord, that you help us to hold tight, that you help us to hold true, not just at Easter, not just in, in church, but every single moment of every single day. Thank you for the gift that you freely give to us. Amen.